make us sing, what can make us praise, even through our pain, shout your name, our God sings. When the world is falling apart, there's a peace down deep in our hearts, our God sings. I can say God so loves everyone that He sent His only Son to take away our sin and shame. Did not come here to condemn, but to save the world through Him for all of us. Who believes on the life When the world is falling apart, there's a peace down deep in our hearts. I got saved. I got saved. God so loved everyone that He sent His only Son to take away our sin and shame. He did not come here to condemn, but to save the world through Him for all of us. sins, all our sins are washed away. Yes, our God sins. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Our God sins, all our sins are washed away. Yes, our God sins. Oh, God so loved everyone. That he sent his only son to take away our sin and shame. He did not come here to condemn, but to save the world through him for all of us to believe. Carpenter's Way. Why don't you guys get up on your feet, find somebody, tell them good morning. Bring your tired 
bring your shame, bring your guilt, bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. And every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right. That's all right. Cause I hear a voice and it calls me redeemed When others say I'm full of love There is a one living inside of me That he too is living in the world Oh, in the world Oh, in the world Oh, and greater is the one living Your doubts, bring your fears, bring your hurt, bring your tears. There'll be no condemnation here. You are holy, righteous, and redeemed. And every time I fall, there'll be those who will call me a mistake. Well, that's okay, cause I hear a voice and it calls me. pretty cool. <laughs> for those of you watching north of the Mason-Dixon line online, that's that's Texan for hallelujah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. Well, good morning, everybody. 
It is uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Thank you for coming for your pre-Super Bowl show. We are glad. I know that most of you don't care about the game, but you do like the commercials. I'm aware of that. So anyway, I hope you have a good time. Hey, uh, we, got a, we got a lot of announcements. This is a very, very special month for Carpenter's Way. We started it last year, and the month of February is our mission month. And uh, we highlight the missionaries that we support. So just to give you some context, uh, Carpenter's Way, we uh, align ourselves with the Southern Baptist Convention Mission Program, the International Mission Board. We support them uh, tens of thousands of dollars a year. They are about in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, and their International Mission Board. There's about a little over 5,000 missionaries that are global whose purpose it is uh, to go across the globe, to live within communities globally, to share Christ, and to plant churches and then move on. And we are excited and proud to be a part of that. But one of the things that's kind of happened over the past 15 or 20 years at Carpenter's Way is we have also adopted missionaries as a church. And uh, we presently have somewhere around 14 or 15 mission organizations beyond the International Mission Boards and individuals that we support, both locally and internationally. So we take the month of February to let you know who they are. And, and some of you are involved in those, the local ones, from the Pregnancy Help Center to Seasons of Hope and, and uh, uh, the Mosaic Center and other ministries. If I start naming, I'll miss some, but, but other ministries that you work in locally. But, uh, and we're going to have videos over the uh, next few weeks that introduce you to some, and they will tell you what they do. This morning, we're excited. Actually, I'm going to let you watch this one. Josh and, uh, and Allie Ferguson. Josh grew up at Carpenter's Way, grew up in our ministry, was discipled by Jeff Bonin, and uh, is full-time. He and his wife went to Moody Bible Institute, and he and his wife are full-time with Campus Crusade, their military branch. And uh, I'm going to let you hear from Josh and Allie right now. Hello, Carpenter's Way family. Uh, we're the Fergusons, and uh, my name is Josh. Allie. And this is little Levi. Levi. Uh, hey. We work with <laughs> crew military uh, here at Great Lakes Naval Base, which is north of Chicago. It is the only naval boot camp in the United States, so uh, we get to work here supporting the uh, chaplains in reaching the recruits for Christ, um, in preparing them for what it looks like to live out their faith in the military. We also minister to families here uh, through um, Awana Ministries, and we do Bible studies for new sailors that are going through their initial training before they hit the fleet. Um, we uh, have also more recently been involved in helping out uh, the national team. So um, Allie um, does work um, in helping all of our ministries across the U.S. Um, have, a, have a consolidated database um, that helps us to better minister to our people group as they move around, um, which is essential um, to keeping them plugged into the church and plugged into community. And then I have also begun to move into a new role that helps us to um, train new staff as they come on and begin to raise their initial support. Um, so, uh, as our ministry grows, um, I get to coach um, anybody that's joining. So, I currently coach um, five um, units that are coming on. Um, so, that's a few individuals and, a, and two couples. And, uh, yeah, it's um, been really wonderful the past year or so. And uh, we've really seen the way in which God works through the military. Um, to reach the world. Um, you know, at this one base, as we 
pour into these um, young men and women. Um, you know, they get deployed, they get, um, you know, relocated, and that gives them um, all these great opportunities um, to share the gospel, to, um, you know, connect with others um, in the, you know, in the wider Christian community. Um, we have people from other countries that um, come to the U.S. and train with the Navy here, um, who then go back to where they came from. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, ministering to the military really is an um, awesome opportunity um, to impact the world while ministering at a single location. And uh, that's why we do what we do. Yeah. So thank you all so much for your prayers and support of our ministry. And uh, we look forward to the next time we get to all be together with you in person. We love you guys. Can you say bye? Bye. We're excited because at the end of the month, for those of you who remember last year, so the last Sunday in this month, we're going to have uh, a, our, our, our big missionary Sunday. And what we do, it's, it's not a fundraiser. You already support by your giving, and we'll take our offering in a few moments. And a significant portion of that goes to supporting these missionaries. But at the end of the month, we're going to have a panel. This year, it's really neat. We have, I think, Four of our international missionaries, or actually four couples, are going to be with us that Sunday. So that whole Sunday morning service after worship is going to be a panel. We're going to have seats up here. We're going to interview them and give them a chance to share what they're doing. And then like we did last year, we're going to fill the welcome area with tables. And I believe all of our mission groups are going to be represented. So you're going to be able to, we're going to take the Bible study hour, and you're going to be able to meander through there and just hear what they're doing so that you can pray for them. You're, you're not just giving, you're involved, you're praying, and, and uh, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you caught this, because a lot of you know Josh and Allie, and sometimes you're busy thinking and looking at the worship guide, but Allie uh, used to work at, at Moody Bible Institute overseeing the IT department. My son worked, worked underneath her. She has since resigned at Moody and now works full-time with crew as well. So she's also now a full-time ministry with missions with crew, helping their online IT information to get out and working with the, working with the teams. And uh, Josh is now training new missionaries, helping coach them as they come online. So it's really exciting, all the people that are going to be able to interact. And you'll see them at the end of the month and along with others. And we're very, very excited to have them on our mission team. So, again... Thank you for your faithful giving. This, this, we, we just want, we're trying so hard to keep you in the loop as to what's going on. Church isn't just, it isn't, a, it, it's not just this. This is fine, but it's us working together to get the gospel across the globe and encouraging each other. So thank you very much. I'm going to have Pam come up. While we have our full-time missionaries that we support and all these things, we also have quite an involved group of people for short-term mission. And we have, uh, I want to say, two almost full-time couples, uh, one to Guatemala, that's the Overbees, and the Hudsons, who get us to uh, Brazil all the time. We're always trying to get you on the mission field. And then we have others. Robert Grimes oversees all of our mission program. He's our pastor of missions. But we're, we're always talking about new mission fields to go and take you on short-term mission trips. And I bet you weren't aware because it just hadn't struck me. I knew about a month ago, but we have a team going out this week. And I'm going to ask Pam to share about that. Bom dia. Oh, yeah, you guys are doing so well. Um, thank you so much for all your prayers. Uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, we will be going on a ladies' uh, trip. So that's always a little bit fun, but a little bit apprehensive. Um, this is actually the third year that we will be doing a ladies' conference in the city of Bahrain, which is about 30,000 people. 
Um, but God has granted us the opportunity, which is incredible, to do a ladies' conference in the church that was just dedicated um, in July of 2018 in the indigenous tribal area. Now remember, this is the, this is the area that in 2015 we were able to, because God provided a miracle with um, the chief's daughter, to allow us to go into the village um, to share Jesus Christ for the first time. So 2015 is now 2020. Um, lots of prayers have gone into this, lots of preparation. Jasiara and Mario Silva um, have been preparing for this week uh, for a long time. And so there are about eight American women who have to leave their blow dryers behind because we're actually living as the missionaries live. So this can be kind of fun. No more cruise ships. Um, no, no more American boats. And um, so uh, Kay Carter, Paige Pate, uh, Tamara Lewis, Donna Hughes, uh, Rosa Gonzalez, Tracy Perry, and Amy Gonzalez and myself will all be leaving Thursday morning very early. Please pray for us from Thursday, and we'll return on like 10 days later. So um, yay. I mean, God is awesome. If you just be obedient, um, he will take you on adventures that you cannot believe. And I'm like so excited. I just danced in a Baptist church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You look like a dancing Baptist. That's, that's a, a, what's really amazing. And look, I, there's so much that goes on out there, as you guys are aware. But sometimes I get, I get lost in it. Cecil Jackson, who actually introduced us to Amazon Outreach, who that now Kevin Hudson's on their board and is now one of our supported missionaries. I know that was a lot of stuff. But Cecil and Julie started us out with them. And then when they moved to Mississippi, uh, Pam and Kevin kind of took over. And now they're in leadership of that team. But Cecil went in December and led a trip for Amazon Outreach. There's lots of stuff going on, you guys. So much cool stuff. Uh, Katie is uh, right now praying about maybe going into missions for the next couple of years. So lots of stuff. We are very, very gospel-oriented. And we're excited to see our ladies go and use women's ministry as an opportunity to present the gospel and disciple people. So we are going to take a moment. We're going to pray for Pam as she leads this group and for this team. Can we just do that right now? Uh, Father, I, I thank you for how you use us, that uh, we don't just meet every week and talk about you, but we have the opportunity in this community to share Christ and to go out of this community and share Christ. And I thank, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for um, uh, the Overbees, the Jacksons, the Hudsons, who are willing to go a lot um, to share the gospel that are willing to actually take other people with them, which, which has its own cost because then they have responsibilities. We pray, Father, I pray you would bless Pam this week. I pray you'd keep her safe. I pray for the plane flights. It's kind of weird now with the sickness across the globe. I pray that you would keep them healthy, that you would protect their bodies. I pray that the flights would be smooth, that there would be no weirdness. I pray that as they fly in the middle of the night, as they leave in the middle of the night, as they get there, Lord, I know that they're not going on the normal ships, that they'll be hiring a taxi. We pray that that would go smoothly. Lord, give them wisdom, put your angels to guard about them, and may your Holy Spirit go before them and till up the ground that needs to be tilled so that people would know you and others would be discipled. Bless this church. Bless these churches that they're going to be working with and use them for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Katie. All right. We got some, uh, if you take your worship guides, let me just really quickly highlight some things. To, uh, tomorrow is the last day in Texas that you can actually um, register to vote. 
So if you haven't, Sharon Kennedy is out there, and we can get you registered. We're not going to tell you who to vote for, but I am going to tell you, you need to be involved. Uh, vote for the person you think best represents biblical values and the things that we want to bless our culture with. But uh, you, you need to get, you need to get uh, registered, and right after the service out there, she'll be out there to do that or to answer your questions uh, for that. Also, uh, I want to make you aware that on March 8th, Sunday, March 8th, that's the first Sunday in March, second Sunday in March, um, is our uh, next Carpenter's Way 101 class. If you're interested in becoming a member or if you're interested in learning how Carpenter's Way functions, that's what this is about. And it takes place in the library. It starts at 9.30 and goes till about 11.45. And uh, you'll get to meet with uh, the staff. You'll get to meet with the elders. Uh, ask your questions. We talk about doctrine and how the church functions, so please make note of that. I want to also make you aware that Baby Palooza is on. That's, uh, that helps the Pregnancy Help Center. If you buy diapers or different things, you can put them. We've got a place to drop them off. There's a, a, a crib uh, in the welcome area, so please drop your things off there. Um, the rest of these things I think you can, uh, yeah, you can see for yourself. So take, if you have any questions, please uh, let us know. There is a fundraising uh, Mother's Day out garage sale this weekend. Is that Saturday? Uh, information in there as well. Uh, so if you have things you'd like to donate, they need to be donated the next day or two. If you have any questions, talk to Alicia Bonin, who has nothing better to do than this. So, uh, and I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time as we prepare to take our offering. And uh, is Jeff Bonin in here? Happy birthday, Jeff. Hey. And I don't do this very often, but Jeff, we've been working together for 15 years, and I'd like to sing you a song. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. That's it. Jeff is 52 this year. <laughs> I have no idea how old he is. I ask him all the time. I know he's about five or six years younger than me. That makes him like 47. How old is he, Alicia? 49. He's older than I thought. Wow. Wow. So this <laughs> You're not taking very good care of yourself, buddy. <laughs> Listen, I'm 53, and I've been in and out of doctors all year, so what a, anyway, oh, man. He will not be having the microphone at the pulpit for many, many months. All right, let's, let's commit the we, – we have such a good staff. We're so blessed to work together, and, and I appreciate so much of what Jeff does. Let's uh, – let, uh, did that make up for all those other things I said? Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we're thankful for the family you've given us here at Carpenter's Way, and Lord, as we send people and money across the globe to present the gospel to people, we, do not, we are fully aware that we are a mission outpost in our own right, that you have uh, planted us here, whether by birth or, or moving, you have planted us here to present the gospel in East Texas. So make us faithful to our task. Lord, I pray you'd encourage us today as we continue singing and getting into your word, and I, I pray we have a, a, a great time. Father, there's folks in our church who are hurting right now that are, that are dealing with, battling with illness. You know all of them. They're, there are lots of them, and I pray you'd be with them. And I pray for Daniel right now as he's had to run over to the ER. We pray you would uh, just spare his life and, and heal his heart and, Father, his liver and all the other things going on. Just, Lord, heal this man. We do love him. And now may we focus back on you and uh, help us to have joy in you. As the offering plate passes by, you guys are more than welcome to stand and worship with us.
worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Oh, and holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one that could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Oh, and holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those Build my life, oh, and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken and holy. There is no Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. 
You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Sometimes I'm strong, sometimes I'm weak, sometimes I fall in my wandering. But through it all, there's just one thing more precious than the air I breathe. It's grace. Amazing grace, unfailing grace that saves my soul. And grace, unending grace, unrelenting grace that won't let go. He took our sin, He took our stain you took our guilt now there is no shame this our reward eternal crown the endless song how sweet the sound of grace amazing grace unfailing grace that saved my soul and grace, unending grace, unrelenting grace that won't let go. And grace, greater than our past, deeper than our pain, stronger than our sin. Blood will always save, and grace will always win. And grace, amazing grace, unfailing grace that saves my soul. And grace, unending grace, unrelenting grace that won't let. Amazing grace, unfailing grace that saves my soul. And grace, unending grace, unrelenting grace 
that won't let go. And grace greater than our past, deeper than our pain, stronger than our sin. Your love forever it will last. Your blood will always save. And grace will always. not confirmed, he confirmed, he will not resign, he resigned, he is not restrained, oh hear the sound, oh hear the sound, rocks are falling, the broken calling, to the God who moves the mountains. The earth is shaking, the weary waking. To the God who moves the mountains, the God who moves the mountains. Yeah. not surprised oh and he is not surprised he surrounds he cannot be stopped he astounds oh he is drawing near oh hear the sound oh hear the sound rocks are falling the broken calling to the God who moves the mountains. The earth is shaking, the weary waking to the God who moves the mountains. The God who moves the We say move, you say watch, what you can do, and you say trust, and then you prove, you're the God who moves the mountains, the God who moves the mountains, you say speak, and we say move. Say watch what you can do. You say trust, and then you prove you're the God who moves the mountains. The God who moves the mountains. Rocks are falling, and the broken calling. To the God who moves the mountains, the 
shaking and the weary waking to the God who moves the mountains, the God who moves the mountain and rocks are falling and the broken calling to the God who moves the mountain. The earth is shaking and the weary waking to the God who moves the mountain, the God who moves the Lord, we thank you for your greatness that we often under, underestimate. We ask you to do things, and we're surprised when you do. We're thankful, but we're surprised. So I ask you this morning as we get into your word that um, you would just help us learn something new about you and us in light of you. For our children, as they go to their programming, I pray you would bless them and their teachers, and Lord, just bless them. Help them to come to know you at a young age. Help them to give their lives to you at a young age. And may they never look back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Uh, for those of us who grew up in the church, um, or if you didn't and went to Awana or Pioneer Clubs or any number of children programming, uh, there are verses and stories that you remember but they don't really, I mean, you hear them and, and you hear me talk about some of them because they're maybe my favorite verses, but, but they're hard for us to wrap our minds around. We, we struggle, for instance, with the fact that Jesus is fully God and yet fully man. So our brains, our emotions, because we wrestle with that and don't understand it, we kind of we blow certain verses off. We like them, but we don't take them as seriously as we other, otherwise might. I said seriously, and Siri came up, so I'm going to calm her down. <laughs> a couple of those verses are found in Hebrews chapter 14, and I love these verses, or chapter 4, uh, and I love these verses, so you hear me talk about them a lot of time, but I don't think emotionally we know what to do with them. But Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 16 says this, we have a great high priest, talking about Jesus Christ, who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. 
this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Why? Because he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he didn't sin. And here's why it matters. Here's why this is a big deal. Verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Why? Because there we will receive mercy and find grace to help us when we need it the most. In other words, what the Hebrew author is writing, the author of Hebrews is writing, is that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father praying for us, but He's not a distant God as we often think. And even in our study of Jesus in this, you might get the idea that Jesus is unsympathetic to our struggles, to our difficulties, that He's, he's dismissive and just tells us, just trust me and don't worry about the rest. But that's not what Hebrews 4 says. Hebrews 4 says that He understands our weaknesses, and because of that, we can boldly approach His throne and will receive mercy. That he'll, he'll feel for us. He'll still ask us to complete our task, but he will, he, will experience, uh, he will offer us grace and mercy because he understands how difficult it is. Most of us are familiar with this. Most of us understand it, but I'm not sure that it gets beneath our skin as to how true that is that he faced all the same difficulties we face and therefore experiences empathy for us. This morning's text out of John is one of those texts that we don't spend a lot of time on, but it's recorded here for us for this very purpose, to understand that Jesus, fully man, actually lived and experienced some of the things that you go through on a regular basis. John chapter 7, let's jump in there, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where uh, the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. It is after this story that Jesus is going to turn with His disciples and they're going to head to Jerusalem. They're going to head to Jerusalem because His time has come for Him to die on the cross, to set atonement, to, to actually remove the sin of mankind, to rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. And that's all being set up. Jesus is going to head to Jerusalem after this. But before, He's staying out of Judea because there's, there's a plot going on underneath. Um, I... Uh, I really appreciated Bill O'Reilly's book called Killing Jesus. If you haven't read it, it's very, very interesting. It is not written as if Jesus is the Son of God. It's simply written to tell the story that's going on, the backstory of the world at the time Jesus lived and why they killed Him. And we all know that they killed Him because that was God's plan. But underneath the surface, in Rome, for instance, things were bubbling up. In Jerusalem, things were bubbling up. And God planned those things to bring about His purposes. And while Jesus is going around, and we sometimes think of it this way, Jesus is going around with the disciples and we think about Him healing and teaching and feeding. He's doing all these things underneath, on the other side of the country, on the other side of the street, things are going on. God is doing things. And one of those things at this time, while He's traveling around Galilee, healing, preaching, ministering, the Jewish leaders are beginning to plot his death in Judea. They're beginning to prepare to kill him. Why? Because that's why he came. Verse 2, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do these such wonderful things as these, show yourself to the world, they said. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. And just let that part of this story sink in. 
I want you to catch this. The first thing I want to observe with you is that Jesus, while doing ministry, is still the oldest brother. Now, we don't know what happened to Joseph. The the Catholic Church teaches that Joseph actually died. When Joseph and Mary married, he would have been older, 35, 40 years of age. How do we know that? Because he was a successful carpenter, Scripture and history tells us. So he is fully uh, involved in his, his business. He can take on a young lady. Her job is to give him children. So by this point, if Jesus is 30 years of age, he's an old man. And it is believed that he has died at this point. And so he's not part of the scene. And as the oldest sibling, and the Gospels tell us that Jesus did, in fact, have other brothers and sisters. They tell us that. I'm sorry if you're Catholic. That's, that's Scripture. <laughs> But Jesus had other brothers and sisters, but still in Jewish tradition, in Middle Eastern tradition, Jesus is in charge of the family. And while he is traveling around and doing his ministry for three and a half years, this tells us that he was still near them. They were still there. Jesus did not shirk his human responsibility for his spiritual responsibilities. Boy, is there a, is there a, master, uh, a message for a pastor's conference in that? You don't absolve yourself of one responsibility in order to fulfill the other. And Jesus is still with his brothers, despite the fact that they didn't believe in him. I want you to think for a second about how Jesus' brothers are treating him. They're mocking him. They're goading him. It tells us at the end of this section that the reason they speak to him is the way they do is because they don't believe in him. Even though, and I want you to remember, even though by this point they're all alive, they've seen him turn water to wine. Remember, that was a family wedding back in Nazareth. They have seen him turn water to wine. They have surely seen other miracles. Remember, they show up after the guy is lowered through that house roof, and Jesus heals the lame man, tells him to pick up his bed and walk. They see this because they're standing outside, and Jesus, after healing them and after preaching and teaching, goes out to talk with them. They have seen him do supernatural things. They have heard his messages, but they still are mocking and goading him. I want to make it clear that these were religious men. His brothers were religious men. They grew up in a Jewish family. Remember that at 12 years of age, Jesus, it says, went with his parents to Jerusalem, as they did every year, it tells us. So these were religious guys. These were men that were men of the synagogue. We know that because when Jesus went to his home synagogue in Nazareth to preach, his first message is he reads out of Isaiah and says, I'm that guy. And they all pick him up to, stone, to throw him off a cliff. Jesus, they had heard him preach. They were religious guys. But like most of the religious people of their days, they rejected his messianic claims. How easy is it for us to be religious but not really follow Jesus? That is the tragedy of the Jewish people. That's the tragedy of the triumphal entry. They wanted him to be their king. They were even willing to allow him to be their prophet, but they will not let him be their priest. And it was as it was with the Jewish people, so it was with his brothers. They're taunting him. Exactly the same taunt as the religious leaders who demanded one more miracle. Remember that? On two other occasions in our study so far, one from the crowd, another from the religious leaders, they demand, after knowing and after seeing Jesus do something supernatural, they demand one more miracle. We'll believe in you if you do one more thing. And it tells us in this text that they tell him, if you, want to, if you want large groups of people to follow you, you should go on into the festival and you should just do more miracles, Jesus. You should do one more miracle. Then people will really believe. What's interesting is this wasn't a shock to Jesus. 
In fact, in Psalm 69, which is a messianic psalm, it says that even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. This rejection of Jesus was a fulfillment of prophecy as well. Matthew records that Jesus would tell the disciples that a prophet would not be accepted even among his own people. And we all assume that he's talking about Nazareth. He's not just talking about Nazareth. He's talking about his own people. In Isaiah 53, it says that Jesus was a man who was despised and rejected. We just don't think of it in terms of his own family. Jesus was despised and rejected by his own family. They were ones also doing the despising and rejecting. Have you ever felt despised and rejected by your own people? Have you ever felt like the people that should, that you thought would engage your God when you came to know Him as your Savior? Did you ever think, did you think that they would come along with you, but they didn't? And they dismiss you, whether it's by belittling you or just not wanting to talk about it or telling you your religion is fine for you, but talk to somebody else about it? Well, Jesus knows how that feels. He knows what it feels like to be goaded, to be mocked. He gets it. So Jesus' half-brothers, unbelievers at this time, dare him to enter the packed celebrant city and do miracles for all to see. Jesus replies in verse 6, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. Now, that's like a brother thing to me. I can't promise that, but that sounds like brothers. You guys go on ahead. You want to go to Jerusalem so bad for the festival, you knock yourself out, but it's not time for me to go. You see, the world can't hate you but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. And after saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. Wow. You know what this sounds like? What does it sound like? Family. Sounds like brothers. Jesus tells them, you go on ahead. You go ahead. It's not time for me to go. It's not time for me to die. It's not my time. He doesn't go, even though he, and and what's really cool to me is Jesus could have knocked them out because he's the older brother. He's the dad by all purposes. He could have rejected them. He could have rebuked them. He could have cut off their money sources, but he doesn't. He simply responds that the reason I can't go is because they hate me. They're going to kill me and my time to die hasn't come. You guys go on ahead. You don't have any problems. The reason they hate me, think about this, is because I accuse it of sin. What's the opposite of that? You are part of them. You haven't spoken the truth. You're not confronting sin. You're not telling the priest that they have rejected the Messiah. But I am. And my time hasn't come. But what does Jesus do that's instructive to us? He falls back on his task. He responds within that task. He does what the Father asks, regardless of his own emotions or how he is, he is being mistreated or disrespected. Again, this is one of at least three times that Jesus says in the Gospels, my time has not yet come. Jesus knows his task. He knows where he's heading. He knows who's in control. And rather than react in a way that could knock his brothers down and knock the crowds down, he stays on task. How does Jesus respond properly? He knows why he's here. He knows who he's here to serve and who's in charge. And he stays on it, even in the midst of abuse. He doesn't allow Satan to use his brothers to take him off message. I thought about that a lot this week. Because a lot of us get 
while making fun of snowflakes, our skin has become too thin. When the world starts mocking us or they don't play our Super Bowl ads, we act like they owe it to us. We act like the world is offensive. We act like that's persecution. And then we get on Fox News or CNN and we argue our case as if the point is, let us speak. When that was never the point. The point is to stay on task. The point is not to let Satan use the world and the rhetoric to get us off message. When gay marriage became law of the land, the church went into anti-gay mode. We are not anti-anything. We are pro-eternal life through Jesus Christ. And it is so easy for us to be goaded into a moralistic conversation, which isn't what saves people. It's easy for us to get off task. And I know we know how Jesus responded here, but I want you to think for a second how you would have responded to your brothers or sisters or how he could have responded. He could have shot fire out of his eyes and licked them up like he did the Jews at Mount Sinai. He could have made locusts grow in their hair. This is God. He doesn't even say, shut up. He just tells them to go on ahead, that his time hasn't come. He lets them mock him. They tell him, you want to grow a crowd, this is the way you do it. You little magic man. That's never been said to Zach in my family. <laughs> hey, little magic man. Hey, little supernatural guy. You want to draw a crowd? Well, there they are in Judea. Why don't you go and take your little circus down there? That's what they're saying. And Jesus could have shown them the circus right there by turning each of them into wine or pillars of salt. He's done it before. I know the wine thing was weird. The truth is he doesn't. He stays on task. He explains to them and to us the reason he didn't go to Judea. He explains to us that they don't believe and they're talking to him in their unbelief. Of course they mock him. Of course they ridicule him. He's their brother. They don't see him as God. And I think, I think we forget that our goal here isn't to have a good reputation. It's to proclaim the excellencies and mercies of God. The, the goal here is not to keep a Christian nation or keep a Republican nation or a conservative nation or a moral nation. Our, well, our task, let me get there in a moment. Too many of our conversations as Christians today are about us and our feelings and how we just feel we deserve to be treated. It's become too often about our wants and our desires rather than our focus on our task. We are here for a purpose. This is how Jesus lived. This is how he endured abuse, even from within his own family. If we're going to really know who this man is, we can't just take the big stories that we all know, but we have to, we have to uh, be intentional about reading the little stories and say, who was this guy? This is one of those stories that tell you what happened behind the scenes when he wasn't taking loaves of bread and fish and turning them in and feeding them into thousands of people or, or making the lame walk. What was it like? Who was he like? What did he do when even his family ridiculed him? And this answers that question. And the answer is he stayed on task. And many of you, if not all of you, at one time or another, whether it's family or community or country, you have been treated in a way that you didn't feel you deserved and you were given a choice. 1 John 2.6 is so clear in instructing us how to live. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. As we continue our search on who is this man, 
we have to at some point ask ourselves, who am I in light of him? And how, and, and if, I, if I am God's child, and if I am actually going to be living for him, I've got to live like him. So we have to ask ourselves, what did he do? The truth is your experience in this life is more like Jesus than you realize. You will be ridiculed. You will have trouble. This world will dismiss you because you are Bible-believing children of God. Because you happen to think that God created it all. Because you happen to believe that there was a guy named Noah and there was a flood. That you happen to believe that, that God did meet a guy named Moses at the base of Mount Sinai. And he did lead, people, lead the Jewish people through the wilderness and give them a land that they promised. Because you do believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin and lived 30 years and ministered for three and a half. Because you do believe that he died on the cross and then he rose again three days later. And he ascended into heaven and he now sits seats at the right hand of the Father. That you do believe you can talk to him. That you do believe in prayer. That you do believe in miracles. Because of all those things, there are psychological tests that will say that you are mentally unstable. The questions on those tests are things like, do you believe when you talk, somebody listens? Do you believe there's a superior power? Do you believe? And it questions that, that yes, I believe in all those things. I, pray, I prayed a few minutes ago to a God I can't see. And I know he heard, and I've seen miracles. We believe that when Pam and her team goes to Brazil, God will show up. We believe that. We believe that in the election next year, no matter who wins, God's in charge. We believe that when we're diagnosed with cancer, despite the fact that we pray to God that he heals us, we believe he's still in control. And we believe his ways are best, even when we don't feel like it. We believe that persecution is part of the task of being a child of God, and we believe we should never stop until we go home. We should then believe that this stuff will happen to us as well. You see, Ephesians 2 makes you sound a lot like Jesus as well. God saved you by His grace when you believed, not that part. <laughs> and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation isn't a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Here's the part. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we can do the things He prepared for us to do long ago. You're not born and bred and grow up in East Texas just by chance or, or by life or just to have kids. You have been tasked by God as His redeemed child, inhabited by the Holy Spirit, to accomplish a task which He prepared for you to do. You, just like Jesus, have been assigned a task in this life. And you have been created and tooled and retooled perfectly to accomplish that task, just like Jesus. He has perfect you, perfectly placed you on the playing field of your task, of your mission. And what is your task? 2 Corinthians 5 tells you. Christ died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know Him now. This means that everyone who belongs to Christ have become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has now given us the task, the task. God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. 
For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, we are now Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. I want you to hear from another of our missionaries. Rosina from Madagascar, we have been supporting her for a few years, and she sent us this video, and I thought it really fit what we were talking about today. I knew that uh, the Lord is my Savior. Before that, I kind of was searching the truth um, because I was so confused with what I have heard. And then I really been taken face to face to the Bible, doing Bible study. Then I did really understand that my Savior is Jesus. So soon I got that, I was so involved with student ministry and uh, in my walk with Christ, I knew more and more than that uh, my family, my people group are lost. They don't know anything about it. So it is very important, very important to reach out because many people around us do not have that opportunity to hear about Jesus. Unless we go and have really that willingness to go and to reach out, there are people, many, still many, who do not know who Jesus is. You know, being a missionary or being someone going out, it does not, it doesn't say it is for special people, people like this or people like that. For myself, I was brought up in a little village, really far from anything, far from, let's say, civilization. But you know, the Lord came to use me to be his witness now. I still feel like I am that little girl there. So what is, what is special in me that the Lord has just like, go now? No, it is not, there is nothing special. I'm just that little girl, this village girl. I'm still the same, but the Lord has put in me that desire, that love, and I, just to see my people and other people being lost, I want to go, I want to reach out. So it is for anybody. The Lord has said, what you have, share it. Yeah, so that is me, that is, I have I have seen it in my life and I just want to encourage any person in the church who is a believer really to go out. It is for you as it was for me. The, the important thing in going to mission is the first step. You know, you say, I'm going. 
You do not know what is there in details, but you just know that you are with the Lord. And the Lord would open up the door for you and you would experience amazing things. You have never thought it would have existed. And then you would see the truth in what our Lord said, you go, I will be with you all the time, until the end of, of the time. So experience it, just go for it and you will experience the truth for that. supporting Rosina and Amazon Outreach and we're supporting the Fergusons and we're supporting a team in Mich in Russia and all over. We got we got teams in Guatemala and while they go we stay. There are so many unreached people in East Texas that don't know Jesus who think they do. I mean I mean seriously, people who go to church every week and it's not that they don't own a Bible or they've never read it, it's they've just never seen it. It is, it's almost like we've, in the last 50 years in the church, we've been so, uh, those of us who are kind of hip in the church, you know, the hipper group of people, we've so tried not to offend the lost, we've stopped reaching the lost. We do public events, uh, we do rallies, they're less in, in offensive because we have superstars up front and we, we can have it. It's done in such a way where it's flashy. That's really not how lives are changed. Lives are changed over a desk at the office or over lunch or a cup of coffee. That's how lives are changed. You, you are the missionaries and this is your task. Not to call the pastor and send him, but to actually just share your heart and your life. If you're a teacher, you're right, the kids are demon-possessed. But you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I know you can't get in front of your class and present the gospel. Then be the, be the gospel. Love them in a way that nobody else loves them. Even when they do this to you. Even when they F-bomb you. You keep loving on them. And when they ask you why, you tell them I'm on task. And when your family who mocks you for Jesus, you just keep praying for them. Don't ever give up. If your son or your daughter, don't stop praying. You keep praying, and, and you don't have to nag. If you're married to somebody who's unsaved, you do not have to nag. You present, you can present again. After the third time, just ask your daddy to open their eyes and live it. Live it. Because it's not your clock and your time. It's his, and he's got us on task. As we talk about Jesus and we, we unveil new nuances and things we hadn't thought about, I just want to remind you that right now this morning, He is sitting at the right hand of the Father and He is praying for you by name. And when you say, I'm scared, He goes, me too. <laughs> that was scary. I, I, I will believe. We're not even at the crucifixion yet. That'll take us six or eight years. But we'll get, I said I wouldn't use that joke again, but it worked that time. But I, I really do believe that He sweat drops of blood because of the emotional toil that was going on there. It wasn't just spiritual, it was emotional. He asked his father to take that cup, and it's not because he was looking forward to drinking it, okay? 
He asked his father to take a cup because it was hard. Philippians chapter 2 that was read earlier today, he gave up his divine privileges to come down here and save our rear ends. That couldn't have been fun. This, his brothers, that aren't really even, I mean, humanly they're his brothers, but he made them. They're mocking him. Are you kidding me? If my brother mocks me, I'm not going to tell you what happens, but we, we would never tolerate that. And the question has to be, why not? And I can tell you the answer because we're not on task. Do you know why he didn't tell his brothers off? Because even if he would have destroyed them at that moment or broken their legs or made them lame or do whatever God can do when people mock him, James would have never come to the Lord had he done that. And Jesus was playing the long game. You remember James? Throughout history and in Acts, he's known as the, as the father, one of those that are mocking, is the patriarch of the Jerusalem church when they spread out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. He is the leader of that church, one of these mockers. Hey, you can win the moral debate, but will not win their souls. The moral discussion may be part of that, but our goal is not to get people to give up same-sex attraction. It is to get them to meet Jesus Christ. Our goal is not to get people to become Baptist or come to church or become assemblies of God. Our goal is not to get them to vote the way we vote. Our goal is to introduce them to our Father who will redeem them and change them from the inside out. 1 John 2, 6 those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Romans chapter 12. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you now to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He'll find acceptable. This is the, truly the way we worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would change the way we look at the world. This is going to be a very difficult year for your church. As things get politically hot, we will pick sides because that's where this is our citizenship and we have ways we want this country to go. And it's a, it's a wonderful privilege to be able to vote. It's a wonderful privilege to be dialoguing with people, and I think that's part of our civic responsibility. But we, may we never let our civic responsibility interfere with our spiritual task. May our first and most important passion be for the souls of the lost. I pray, Lord, this wouldn't be something we just decide to do today, but I pray that you would change us from the inside out as we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. With every head bowed and, and, and every eye closed, I want to give you a moment to listen to the Holy Spirit, children of God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would tell each of us who you want us to tell about you. Bring to mind to your children the one person we need to have coffee with or lunch with to try to build a relationship with, like you built with your brothers that we would not abandon our responsibility of our task, no matter how they feel about us. But Father, we would ask you to lead us into the conversations which introduce people to you. 
I'm going to be quiet for about 15 seconds, and I want you just to listen to the Holy Spirit tell you, who's this one person in your life that you need to build a relationship with, hopefully leading to the gospel? Father, now make blind eyes see. May the lost know that they need you and give us the words to say and the time in which to say them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to you and I believe you know who, you, who the Lord has laid on your heart and here's your homework, ready? It is not to call them this afternoon and witness to them. You laughed because you went, whew, because I'm not doing that homework. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for them. I want you to write their name on a piece of tape and put it on your car so that when you get in and it's 32 degrees in East Texas or 104, depending on which day of the week it is, take a little masking tape and put it on your steering wheel. I want you to pray for them. Put it on your mirror right where you do your eyes, ladies. Is that not appropriate to say, Julie? Did I just? doesn't matter. Guys, put on your computer at work. Put on your hammer if you're a carpenter. Put on your Bible. Pray for this person and don't step before the Lord. Look, I'm not telling you to go before God. Pray for them and watch God work. It could be your son. It could be your daughter. It could be your brother, your sister. Don't step before the Lord, but pray for them five times a day. It doesn't have to be a dear Jesus and then wrap it up with an amen. It's God to help them open their eyes. Give me the right words to say. Let me know my time. Let me follow you. We're in this together. This is what we do. Go get them, church. God bless you guys. Enjoy the commercials at the Super Bowl. <laughs>